each semester I've had students um, who have disabilities or identify as having a disability in my class. And one thing that's always been really surprising to me is um, how often those students are some of the highest achievers that I have in my class. Welcome to this episode of the Beyond the Podium podcast series. My name is Alexandra Baton bailey and I'm the host of the series. Today, we get to chat to some folks who are enthused, excited, and passionate about their students' success and the contributions they make by helping faculty and students connect. The DRC, or Disabilities Resource Center, is chock full of people ready to help faculty help their students. Jerry Altamirano, Beth Rowland, and Kendra Saunders are sharing their stories and ideas along with their students, Rosanna, Julia, and Emma. The DRC is here primarily to reduce barriers by first listening to people's stories and guiding the necessary support. We are perpetually kind of fighting this battle of, of, of removing attitudinal, technological, physical, uh, and then internal barriers, right? What we have to do as disability advocates, as social justice advocates, is, is to listen to people's narratives and allow them to, to guide where they want our support. So what are the students with disabilities like, especially those with invisible disabilities? How have they made it to the University of Florida? And what has their journey here been like? Well, okay, so high school, high school was interesting. <laughs> it was really interesting. I was away. A lot of the time. So I was competing at science fair or, um, you know, I would be in New York or I would be in, you know, just all over different places and I would miss a lot, a lot of school. And so it was, it was difficult. Um, so I have a processing disorder, so I have a lot of difficulty. Um, I, I just, I need the instruction time. Um, and I need to be able to connect with the teacher, um, and ask questions. And that's my big thing. If I can't ask questions, <laughs> it's not happening. So that was a big struggle for me, especially in high school, um, was not being there and not being able to ask questions. And then teachers got really frustrated with me and were like, well, if you, um, want to go do the science thing so badly, then I guess you just are, you're on your own. Um, and so that was a difficult, a difficult thing in high school in particular, and kind of navigating that relationship with the teacher where I want to learn and I really do want to be involved, but also I have this, this thing that that I have to do. Um, I have to go. And this, the research that I was doing, uh, and I, it it was, and still is very important. Um, and it was a big part of my life and still obviously continues to be since I'm here at UF doing research. Um, and so it was kind of, how do you balance, um, science and how do you balance wanting to be kind of a high achieving, um, student outside of school? Um, and also my learning disability actually went, I didn't read till I was in second grade. I had a very, very difficult time reading, but once it clicked for me, um, we had lots of, you know, they run tests and they do all kinds of things. And my mom was like, well, is she just stupid or, you know, like those biases that come, you know, with disability are, you know, is she just dull or thick or whatever? Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, (laughs) that's just kind of behind it. And that's part of seeing the, the person, um, behind a disability, and obviously I have been able to do lots of things and my disability doesn't define me in any way. It's a learning disability. Honestly, 40% of the population has at least some minor form of a, 
of a learning disability. So it's like, it's not some, you know, I, I haven't really struggled or done anything like, you know, I've never felt like it's a big part of my life. But finding out was, um, I was diagnosed initially as a second grader when I legitimately could not read. Um, and it was, you know, that was difficult. Um, but then I, one day, and it was weird, I actually remember it, the day they're like reading clicked for me. And I was, you know, I'm reading at, obviously, like now I'm reading on level, but, you know, in the next like two years, I went from being a drastically, drastically, drastically below level reader to reading like college level um, texts and things like that. So once it clicks, it clicks. But until it clicks, it's really, really hard. Um, but then we didn't pursue being, um, getting my um, individualized education plan, my IEP, until I was a junior in high school. And so I went my freshman and my sophomore year without an IEP, which was very, very difficult. Um, so once I got my second diagnosis of the official like high school thing, um, it got a lot easier because teachers, you know, would be like, oh, well, this is not just her complaining or being annoying or having or she's not just dumb or thick. And those are horrible like words to use. But it's just kind of, you know, what reality was. Um but yeah, so once I was diagnosed, it was a lot easier for me to get the help that I needed. One thing that this thing with my learning disability has taught me is that I have to work really hard. And if I don't work really, 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 really hard, then I am not going to succeed. So it has instilled in me this kind of really um, aggressive work ethic where I w like I'm going to get it done. Um, so right now it's not impacting me as much since I'm not taking those classes, but next semester I'll be taking calculus, which is going to impact me um, <laughs> a lot. I I don't really know as of now for like what it looks like for college for me, but I do know it's going to be me working very, very hard. Um, and I think that's another big thing to clear up is like a learning disability. It's not somebody being lazy. Um People, my friends that also have learning disabilities, they're some of the hardest working people I know by far because um, they, they can't get away with not working hard. For most students with disabilities, the struggles and barriers they faced were present long before their arrival at the University of Florida. Some, like Julia, found the support and help they needed early on, but many just dealt with their barriers and challenges alone, like Emma. High school was interesting for me. Um, I dealt with a lot of weird medical health um, kind of sign curves of like what's kind of going on. So um, around the middle of my freshman year, I started developing some weird symptoms like really bad migraines every day and I could go on and on. But basically, um, they ended up diagnosing me with an autoimmune disorder um, called POTS, which is a silly acronym. It's um, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which in short is basically... Um, Blood doesn't flow as well as it should, um, so veins, when you stand up, they're usually supposed to constrict, so blood goes up to your head so you don't pass out, things like that. Mine don't do that very well. So that was what I was um, dealing with for a while, and so the headaches 24-7, I was just always, it, it got pretty bad during my sophomore, junior year, so I wasn't actually around a lot of my high school years. Um, I tried to be, and I pushed myself really hard to be, but sometimes it just wasn't possible. And so... Dealing with that along with taking hard, rigorous classes and being with everybody else who was having kind of a normal high school experience, it was a little weird. Um, so I'd say the experience in high school for me was, I guess, a little bit exceptional from other people's. Um, 
I know teachers a lot of the time weren't super educated about these kind of things and how to deal with students that were having um, health issues or mental health issues or really anything of the sort, um, disability at all. They weren't very equipped to deal with that. And it was hard sometimes getting around um, trying to like keep up with school and make it work with teachers as far as moving deadlines and exams and whatnot. I know um, a really prominent experience comes to mind. I had been in the hospital having a diagnostic surgery done and I had missed about two weeks of school um, at a time. And I went back to my AP physics teacher and we'd had an exam and I said, you know, I don't think I can take this. I haven't been here to learn any of the material. And he said, well, that stinks. I wish you luck and made me take it. And so it was, you know, it hadn't been that bad in my other classes, but it still kind of gives you the idea that, you know, they just don't really know what to do. And so coming here, knowing that they actually have a resource here on campus for people with disabilities, helping them to navigate the world of college and professors and them not really knowing what's going on was awesome. And so I felt like that was a great way to like get involved um, and help just like kind of spread that around because it's clear that in other places, it's not very, um, the awareness of disability and everything of the sort is not as great as it could be. Many of those highly gifted students with learning disabilities survive and even thrive in high school due to their extreme efforts. They do not get the support they need until they arrive at the University of Florida and meet the folks at the DRC and our exceptional faculty. As Emma explained, the culture of the University of Florida and the DRC create an environment dedicated to student success. Rosanna also discovered this in her first year at the University of Florida. I always noticed that there was something wrong with me and math. <laughs> so I just felt like my visual spatial intelligence was really, really bad. Anytime you would put patterns in front of me or numbers, um, I really, really like suffered with that. I mean, like I suffered in geometry because a lot of that is about shapes and visual spatial intelligence. Well, I took college algebra my very first semester and it was a summer B term. <laughs> so I was like, I made that, that class was like a full-time job for me. I was in class like 20 hours and then I also went to office hours and I went to the Broward Teaching Center. And then I also ha worked with other students like, because I wasn't the only one who struggled. So I admit that. And we all would try to meet like on the weekends to talk about problems and stuff. And so the work was at a very, very fast pace. So I didn't get to really have any fun. So I waited until like December of my freshman year. So it was like December of 2014 to reach out to Amanda Brown at the Disability Research Center. And then I got tested with a school psychologist in January of 2015. And so she found out exactly what I was just describing. So my visual spatial intelligence, very, very terrible. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so the Disability Resource Center really helped me to like try to figure out how to do like a reduced course load and try to, f to find alternative options for things like the special stats class. And um, also they provide like um, leadership roles that you can have like within some committees they have there. And it's just a lot of fun to plan that. And also like scholarships for for students who have a disability. I didn't even know that they had those things, and I wouldn't have known if I didn't go there. So what is at the heart of the DRC's efforts? What is it that they hope for in their work with students? I hope for two things for the students who come through the door. I hope that they 
can feel empowered that the differences that they have because of their diagnosis and, or their disability are not less than other students, that they can recognize the strengths that they have and that they can share those strengths within the university community. All students come to the University of Florida with diverse gifts and talents, and all will face barriers at one time or another. Faculty, staff, and the folks at the DRC can help students identify their gifts, rise above their challenges, and achieve their dreams. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Beyond the Podium podcast series on teaching and learning. This episode is part of a two-part segment. For strategies and tips, listen to part two in the series, as some of our faculty share what works best for them. For other tips, tools, and ideas, check out and subscribe to the full podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher through the teach.ufl.edu webpage. Thanks again, and see you next time.